Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, a Netflix podcast about the films and TV series everyone seems to be watching right now, like Bird Box, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, and Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, among other things. I am your host, Bobby Finger, and I'm joined today on this blisteringly cold day in Brooklyn by Christine Fryer, a writer from New York, and Kevin Nguyen, features editor of The Verge, formerly of GQ. Later, we'll hear from Charlie Brooker, the writer of Bandersnatch, and Annabelle Jones, the producer of Bandersnatch. But for now... I'm with Christine and Kevin, so let's meet them. Hello, Christine and Kevin. Hi, Bobby. How are you doing today? Feeling great. Excited to be here. How's your Java? Oh, it's fresh. It's piping hot. I should have gotten two. I'm out of. I'm out of Java now. I wish I had a a second one. (laughs) Bobby provided us with Java, and now he's fresh out. (laughs) I'm. I hate being out of Java. So, what are you both doing here? Why are you here? Well, I guess you could say I'm a real streaming head. (laughs) If I had to think of what qualified me to be here, Mm -hmm. it's probably my passion for streaming services like Netflix. Like Netflix. What about you, Kevin? We're here to talk about all the memes around Alfonso Cuaron's Roma, right? Yes. What was your favorite Roma meme? <laughs> I did. There was like a week where like every black and white photo I saw on Instagram, I wanted to reply Roma parentheses 2018. So, <laughs> I mean, what a dreary, like what a dreary collection of memes that would be. Like anytime something terrible happens to you, it's just like a picture of Cleo. Like, I'm afraid me. of the ocean now. Like <laughs> it's awful. Just it's... like pictures of dog poop on the street. Oh, <laughs> what was the dog's name? Boras? I don't know. Oh, you haven't I seen it? I believe that. I saw it with you, Oh, Bobby. with you. Oh, I was like, that's why I was confused. <laughs> we saw it at the IFC Center. Mm-hmm. So today, we're not talking about Roma. We could if we wanted to. We just did. We just did. You're we're going welcome. to talk about Bird Box, Marie Kondo, and Bandersnatch, mostly because they were the only things anyone seemed to be talking about over the holidays, probably because they were shut in with their friends and family for a long period of time. The weather wasn't great. And they were just the things that they decided to watch on Netflix. And everyone could agree on them because, one, it's a Sandra Bullock movie that's new and exciting. Two, it's like a calming woman telling you, like, how to improve your life by cleaning up. And three, it's Black Mirror. And people are obsessed with, like, a new, exciting thriller from this show that we've come to rely on as, like, exciting and good. Um, Yeah, I didn't, like, go home for the holidays, but I'm just trying to imagine convincing my parents that we should watch Roma. Like, that just conversation (laughs) would never... So what's it about? Who's in it? And it's like, well, it's just, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be an emotional experience. And then you'd just realize halfway through, it's like, oh, I don't want to have that with you guys. <laughs> I want this to be a private Better moment. Snatch time, yeah. Let's put our phones in the other room. And the moment you say that to someone, they're like, no, let's do something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, what happened where like your parents are more attached to their phone than you are? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that that switch flipped like five years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I could watch Roma with my parents because the phone rings in their house constantly. Like a landline or the landline, <laughs> and it rings, and I and I was there, and I had forgotten how often the phone rings, and I was texting my sister while I was there. It was like every fifteen minutes the phone rings, and they don't answer it. They're like, Ugh. <laughs> like they'll look at the caller ID, <laughs> they'll look at the caller ID and sigh and say, I don't know why we have this thing. We should just use our cell phones. It's all spam. And it's like, well, then get rid of the phone call, and then you're like, well. We have, you know, the this family and this family. It's the only number they know. And if something happens and it's like, this is crazy. It's like the, the opposite rings, of Black Mirror. That's what Roma would be. <laughs> yeah. It would be like Cleo experiencing, Cleo experiencing something very profound and the phone would ring. And then my parents would say, don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> don't get it. Um, so, boy, girl, <laughs> we're going to talk about Bird Box right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. What came first? It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. 
Never take your blindfold off. Never move away from the mic. We're going to talk about bird If you box. don't listen to me, I will hurt you. How is this Sandra Bullock movie not called The Blind Side? <laughs> <laughs> of any of her works, I mean, were it would to be, be called The Blind Side. Uh, they, they were looking through her filmography and they were like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what else happens? Were either of you surprised, because I certainly was, that the, there is in fact a box of birds in Bird Box, and not even in Bird Box. In the first few minutes of Bird Box, you're like, okay, this is this is good. Were you expecting an actual Bird Box? I feel like people, like half of people sort of expected it to be a metaphor for something. Or they were waiting for like the end to be a reveal that uh, this is what, like we are the Bird Box. I think... We are the birds in the box. I get it now. <laughs> I understand Bird Box. Was this a surprise to you? Yeah, it was a surprise that it was literally birds in a box for me because (laughs) I knew that it was based off of a novel Mm -hmm. going into it. And usually film adaptations of novels have to incorporate a titular element that makes no sense within like the format of cinema. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was going to be like a random act three throwaway line where like (laughs) Trevante is like, it (laughs) makes you think how we're all just birds in a box like you know what i mean like i probably sell that line oh he could do it he or i think like john malkovich could have sold that line uh so when it was birds in a box i was impressed (laughs) did you know it was about birds in a box i did not it's also it's strange when a movie is named a horror movie specifically is named after like not the thing that's scary like the Mm. birds in the box are like the good thing they're like the solution or like Mm. they're the 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 helping thing the helping element in the movie but Mm -hmm. i guess i don't know what you would call it otherwise like don't open your eyes or you'll go crazy and kill yourself yeah actually that's a great title (laughs) with mary kondo there's a lot of tension in that title (laughs) that seems like the sort of title that would be like eloquent in a language other than english but then when translated to english it's like don't open your eyes or the monsters will come and get you and make you kill yourself it's like well in another country, it sounds really nice. <laughs> so you, it took you a while to watch Bird Box. Yeah, So you actually, had been, you know, really overwhelmed by all the memes for probably weeks before you watched it. Yeah, and actually I kept hearing about, I don't know, I just kept hearing about the memes and like they all seemed kind of, I just I just felt like completely dissociated from them and like, well, you know, I've watched, I've watched Bandersnatch, I've watched Mary Kondo, it's like I can, I can check out of this one for a little mm-hmm. bit. Um and I watched Bird Box like earlier this week and I was kind of pleasantly surprised how much I liked it. Did the memes make you expect one thing and did you get another thing? Like, You know, the interesting thing is I I actually, for some reason, I just thought the reason Bird Box was so popular was because of how scary it was. So mm-hmm. I was actually expecting a much scarier movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of my, my expectations a little different. But the memes are so all over the place for Bird Box. Like it's not one image really, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it's not one image macro over and over. It's just like a bunch of different loose concepts. So going in, I think I thought I knew what I was getting into, and then it just ended up being like kind of a more straightforward movie, and, and that was kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a you're like. Would it be fair to call you? A tech guy or tech adjacent guy, <laughs> oh, no, based, tech based adjacent solely, based solely on your on your employment at the Verge. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you are hyper hyper aware of of social media and like the memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the, like the one the standouts to you when you saw them? Like, were you satisfied by this meme, or did you think it was kind of annoying? Um, I just like it's weird because I haven't really revisited it, the memes since I saw the movie, but I feel like it's so strange because the memes are so separate from the movie themselves Mm -hmm. like i just think the entire setup for the memes were just like 
there's a blindfold. Yeah. Um, a blindfold over Shrek. Yeah. A blindfold over like a drag race performer. The like, thing that really seems to have like caught the Mimaverse's imagination is not what I was expecting. Like they just love people not realizing obvious things. Mm-hmm. Like that's the joke right now. <laughs> yeah. Like taking stills of like either people being blindfolded or having their eyes held open and mm-hmm. being like, here's a thing mm-hmm. we can all agree upon. Yes. Um, I'm not sure anyone that like made the memes saw Bird Box, <laughs> right? Which no, is kind of can, funny. You can participate in the meme having no idea what the movie is about, which is kind of a good thing. As long as you're familiar with like realizing stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you and, can like grasp the memes and the concept of seeing and not seeing. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, like the Bird Box challenge was probably created by someone who had never seen the movie, or yes. like it would be easy to believe that it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, which is scary. Did either of you participate in the Bird Box challenge? Where where you're younger family members into that no Seems like thank it's god young. <laughs> i i probably would have had to talk them out of that if any of my family That's members my... at the holidays was trying to bird box challenge no one no one should be doing the bird box challenge by the way I do did... i have to say that as a psa yeah probably i watched maybe half of a logan paul video where he did the bird box challenge mm-hmm. and i was like how does this guy get away with making 20 minute videos <laughs> it was just like truly truly aggravating he's astounding like, like astounding is the right word. Yeah. yeah. He and his brother, I, I cannot believe. I cannot believe either of them. Um, so the Bird Box Challenge, for those of you listening who have been in, um, I don't know, a cave, Bird Box Challenge is when you put a blindfold on and you go out into the world and see how long you can last in the world with this blindfold on. Uh, and then your friend films you with the hopes of seeing you fall or break something or get into trouble uh and netflix does not condone the bird box challenge or those friends or those (laughs) friends we think it's we think it's absolutely terrible um so anything else we want to say about bird box we liked bird box i liked bird box and if you're a meme maker out there and are interested in the bird box challenge might i like suggest you pivot your attention to the incredibly fruitful field of driving a car using only the GPS (laughs) and not your eyes. That's the craziest part of that movie and nobody touches it. (laughs) It is a wild scene. It's crazy. They drive to the grocery store using just the GPS, like the (laughs) built-in GPS, like the Lexus provider or Mm -hmm. whatever car brand provided the vehicle for the film, like GM's Mm -hmm. native GPS is up to date <laughs> enough that they can like within feet oh, yeah. of a turn mm-hmm. drive to the grocery store and also I think a really funny video idea would be <laughs> take note content creators yeah, please like put a camera outside the car and show me what the fuck they're crunching over <laughs> yeah <laughs> I want to see them drive really slow over like a Gatorade bottle and think that it's a dead body and be like oh and it's just crunching like just like a, a gated suburban neighborhood <laughs> like make sure all of the kids are inside it's or like just make yeah. A sub, like a recycling bin or yeah. something. Like Spray paint. to watch half of this Logan Paul video. <laughs> One of the other memes was the was what's his name? Tom Hollander opening the eyes of Jackie Weaver and telling her to see things. I think that was a pretty successful <laughs> one. We didn't talk about that. So it's oh, blindfolds. Yeah. It's pulling open the eyes of Jackie Weaver, who is again in everything. You see Widows? Yes. yes. She's in Widows. She's Wait, Elizabeth. Who is she in Widows? She's Elizabeth Debicki's mom in Widows. Yes, you're that's right. That's Jackie Weaver. But I think we're done talking about Bird Box because that's a lot of Bird Box. Yeah. And I want to get out of this car. I want to talk about Marie Kondo now. Yes. 
Yes. Great. I've, I feel like we need Marie Kondo to come here and bless the space. <laughs> we need to invite her into the space. Um, she's like a little you, nymph. <laughs> she's, she's so, I love how, like, how much everyone loves everyone on that show. Like, it comes in and it's like, <gasps> and everyone's like, <gasps> Marie Kondo gasps, the guest gasps, the translator gasps. Everyone loves I'm the, curious how much you think Marie Kondo likes her guests. Because, like, my favorite thing is she goes in to hug people mm-hmm. and she, like, kind of does this, like, tap thing <laughs> with her arms. And she clearly doesn't want to hug them. <laughs> She was told this is like, what, Marie, you're going to go into these houses. You're going to hug everyone. Americans are really affectionate. Mm-hmm. Don't think it's weird. They're going to hug you. They're going to scream. I love that every time she comes back to people's houses, it's like, ah! <laughs> like it's a, just one voice screaming like from the kitchen down the hall into the front hallway. And you're like, oh, here <laughs> she's she comes. back. She's back. <laughs> We're going to fold some shirts. I hope they don't get mad at, 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 at me. Like, <laughs> I hope Marie doesn't get mad at me. Marie Kondo is a... I guess, lifestyle expert, author, best-selling author. She wrote The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, published a few years ago. She's only 34 also. Mm-hmm. Until this show, I didn't know what she looked like. And I was like, you're that young? I pictured Marie Kondo as like like an elder, wise like grandmother. So Marie Kondo, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, is what I recently, of all of these, this is my most recent addition to my watch list. I'm not all done with it. I think mm. I've watched five episodes. Which yeah, leaves, I'm about that many in. Which leaves, but I've been, I've been like kind of picking and choosing. I'm not watching them in order, which I, I don't really know why. There's not like a narrative arc to the season, yeah. and you're free to skip okay. around. I watched the first one. I watched like the second one, and then I watched like five, six, seven. Mm. So I got because I was like, I gotta find the gay episode. I'm always looking for yeah, the it's gay number yeah. six. I think yeah. that's six. Which the I really writers, like. the writers, their house needed some help for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when she comes in. And she's just like, this is great. My favorite. Marie Kondo is not Gross. like the meaniest thing in the world, but I do love. I'm so excited because I love mess. Yeah. I've been saying that a lot, which is great. Which was also in one of the saddest episodes. That's from the one with the widow. The one. widow one. Mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite. Yeah, that was good. She handles it way well. Like I tried really hard to imagine what I would be like after a 40-year marriage and like losing my partner to a debilitating illness that I nursed them through. Mm-hmm. And I would like be in horrible shape yeah. like i just wouldn't be she was a always like pleasant she was like, dressed she was her dressed hair was <laughs> done her house was clean she was like there's not a dish in this sink and we're gonna throw away my mm-hmm. husband's shit i'd be like <laughs> yeah well actually how like the show is pretty sad in weird yeah. ways and i wonder how self-aware you guys think the show is or maria's of like what's happening because like that episode in particular like when they do the before and after like before it's like actually like a pretty organized closet yeah. and then after it's empty, empty. yeah it's there empty. Go, that man is gone yeah. you know it's yeah it's really sad and i think and i think a lot of the show's sadness comes from comes from the editing and i and i would say i don't i don't think you go into something like this wanting to be sad on camera i think you're like number one i want to be on television number two i want to clean up my house and i don't really think you go into it expecting to be pitied it's been like even even the even the family that moved from like the bigger house in the Midwest to where do they move the LA area? Yeah, the friends. and where it's like they're like yeah the the Fantastic Four, they're like so exciting and like fun to watch and like in a good mood. But there's also something sad about like they had to leave this place where they uh, where they really established like a life and like a space together to this smaller spot. And it's like their kids are miserable, but not saying anything because the kids love the parents. And like I don't think they go into it expecting that sort of like pathos yeah because it's guess. like the messiness ends up being like a symptom of something larger and it's usually uh you know d- 
defined gender roles in the household that、mm-hmm. are like a little too rigid and old fashioned,、mm-hmm. or you know, it's like the accumulation of stuff in late capitalism.、Mm-hmm. Like, there's always like a weird, bigger philosophical thing going on with the family or the couple、uh, that like comes out at the end. And what's kind of funny is like, I feel like Marie is not like. Telling them that, like in、yeah. Queer Eye, I think they would point it out、right. a little more obviously. But it's it's kind of funny watching these couples figure it out for themselves. I think that's especially true of the first episode.、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the first episode, bleak sometimes, and for them to have that sort of self realization, you need someone who's not going to be like almost overwhelmingly non judgmental. Yeah, right. She's to- judging well, their also, stuff. Well, also like the the. Real calm of the show for me comes from the fact that she's completely disinterested in engaging in the emotional、mm-hmm. relationship that people have to their stuff.、Mm-hmm. She's treating it as though we have no psychological relationship to our surrounding,、mm-hmm. like to the environment that we cultivate, and she's just going like, okay. Like it reminds me a lot of in Pocahontas. <laughs> Go when, on. <laughs> when she is singing "Colors of the Wind" and she like kneels and she goes, "I know every rock and tree and creature has a life, has、and、a spirit,、go. has a name." And she touches the rock and touches the tree, and the rock lights up and the tree yeah, lights they... up, and they're like, "She acknowledged me." <laughs> like Marie is very connected to the intrinsic power of what you surround yourself with,、mm-hmm. and she just kind of like hammers away. At that one tenet over and over again,、yeah. and doesn't let people talk about themselves.、Yeah. She's like completely without. E- she forces、Laser、people、focused. to not focus on their egos、mm-hmm. in a way that is fantastic because everybody's in a moment of transition、mm-hmm. or like in a moment of having to edit their lifestyle or like not succeed at something that they're saying is really important to them. Like. The couple that's like we're married, but we don't feel married. We feel like we live in a dorm,、yeah. or like the family that relocated, and they're like we're in a more expensive city now, and we're not giving our kids the life that we thought we were going to give our kids.、Yeah. Like everybody's grappling with stuff that wouldn't fit into thirty minutes anyway, and、yeah. so like the art. The fact that you're even able to observe that about those people comes from the fact that she doesn't mention it、yeah. at all. She's only talking to them about socks. Yeah, and it it makes me think of the the like interview tactic, like silence as an interview tactic, where it's、mm. like where you you let them do all the work by like not saying anything and just go, oh, yeah. She's not saying anything about their personal drama, and if anything, like she's like avoiding it to like an almost like annoying extent, where she's like can witness like a couple bickering, and she's like, "Let's go into your sock drawer." <laughs> like, so anyway, when we hold fold this shit、pants. sideways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the have you have you started condoing your life, Kevin? Um, I feel like that's the obvious question. I read the book a few years ago,、mm-hmm. and so I think the only thing I really took from it was like I started folding my sweater sideways, <laughs>、um, and I have started doing that again, but. It actually it's it's a great it's just great to be like really cognizant.、Um, I feel like I'm actually like a pretty tidy person already,、mm-hmm. but like the idea of just everything having a resting place in your apartment,、mm-hmm. um, I think is an important reminder. And I, I feel like I've I've gotten a little tidier since I watched the show. Are、again. you are you are you doing this too, Christine? Because I have I I did my dresser. That's the number one. That's the first. Thing I, I mean,、did. congratulations on starting and finishing. I、yeah. think that's really where. <laughs> I'm very aware of like the tenets that make her strategy healthy and good, but the problem that 
I face as like a worker is that I want to do something in one sitting to completion perfectly the first mm-hmm. time and then like not think about it ever again. Yeah, it's That's a lifestyle. There, there are steps. Yeah, yeah steps yeah. are hard. And there's a lifestyle <laughs> change. Like it's not one and done. It's like you have to do this all this the time. This is a practice of like yeah. considering your things. But so watching the show, I was incredibly inspired and like took every piece of clothing that I own, put it on my bed as she recommends and like looked at it all together. So it's like my dresser and my closet in one pile. And I got as far as separating things into to like keep maybe donate mm-hmm. and now I just have three piles of clothes <laughs> in my bedroom and it's like five days later so I have a, I TBD have a, I have a bag of donate just sitting next to my uh laundry basket so it's like laundry basket clothes bag of donate clothes but then like the rest of the bedroom looks good yeah. i just have these like piles and i'm sure your dresser like you folded everything visually the and, way marie wants and i'm still full like i, I have done a load of laundry since and I refolded some T-shirts and put them back into the thing. But we were talking about this before starting the episode. I do find when you take something out, like when you take a folded piece of clothing out of its spot, sometimes it does, it, it gets less it like structurally sound. Yeah. Um, so that's, I'm sort of trying to figure out how to do that. And I think maybe the answer is make it even tighter in there. Yeah, that's the other funny thing. Like when you fold things sideways, like you have to actually pack it to maximum like yeah. drawer space in a weird way. It or has else. to be like or a else. full yeah, yeah. column. You can't have like a half column of T-shirts because then they'll fall over. Yeah, yeah. So I actually didn't get rid of a couple T-shirts, weirdly, because I needed it to stay. To be a rectangle. Yeah, I needed it to be a rectangle. Uh, I love folding my pants, though. I love doing that. Did it make you want to visit the container store? I heard it started spiking visits to the container store. Anecdotally, people were noticing this. It didn't make me want to, but I understand the impulse. Mm-hmm. It made me, it, it like, I think more in the spirit of her work would be recycling boxes yeah. that are already in my house. Like, I was thinking a lot about how I could repurpose things that are just kind of sitting around because they think they look cute and actually use them to do functional things in my house. I just went to the Muji store and bought little containers <laughs> for my yeah. office. So That's great. And for listeners who don't know, the Muji store is basically pretentious, the container store. Oh, yeah. Now we are going to move on and talk about Bandersnatch. Great. Another another viral moment, a surprise drop. There was a trailer released one day. Bandersnatch came out the next day. It's a film. It's not a game. Um, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Did we all watch Bandersnatch? Yes. Yes. We all watch different versions of Bandersnatch, I'm sure, because no two people are alike. Um, what was your first failure? Your first wrong choice, mate? What is the line? I already forgot. Yeah, it's something Wrong like path, that. mate. Yeah. Um, what was your first wrong path? I think it's one that it led you down deliberately at the mm-hmm. beginning to show that you could loop again. But like, I think when you go into um, the game studio... To accept the job. Accept the job. Yeah, and I did that. And it just seems like it's leading you that way. And then it cuts immediately to that ending where they review the game and mm-hmm. it's like zero stars or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you loop back, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. Because I was watching other partner and I was like, I was like, we should accept, right? She's like, that seems obvious. I was like, nah. And then, she, of course, she was right. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I think it does try, especially early on, lead you down very obvious and specific things to teach you how to play. Yeah. I, I was thinking about there was a it was actually a review of Succession and TV critic Willa Paskin at Slate. Uh, wrote something that I think about a lot when I start a new TV show and it's uh, TV shows teach you how to watch them. Hmm. And she was like, Succession has a really strong learning curve, a high learning curve because uh, it like seems like one genre at the at the beginning and then it isn't. And so you kind of have to revisit the original ones with the new um, idea of what the show actually is. 
But Bandersnatch takes that to a new level because it literally teaches you how to watch it um, at the beginning. It's like, are you going to choose Sugar Puffs or Frosties? Are you going to take the job or not? And then like, you're like, oh, I understand like the beats of this show because I wasn't really sure what it was until I watched it until I mm-hmm. did it. Like, it didn't really make sense, even though I was familiar with the concept of... Well, you also kind of have to meet game. the characters a little bit because mm-hmm. a lot of the choices they have you make aren't necessarily character-defining for mm-hmm. him. It's just kind of little things that kind of seem inconsequential. Like, you know he needs to take action right then, but how did you guys approach, like, making your decisions? Did you have, like, an alignment? Were you trying to, like, mess up his day or... I was at first... I was trying to see if I could control the narrative in any way and like trying to think I understood where it was going. But then the moment I really started flailing, I was like, I don't care anymore. I just want to answer and see what happens. I got less invested in like taking care of him Mm -hmm. as I was playing, which I think is sort of one of the points of the show. Yeah, I think it was very cognizant that like a lot of viewers or maybe it assumed most viewers were going to try and find like the darkest path. Mm -hmm. And it like definitely played into that. Um that was probably the most pleasing thing about the experience when I realized that, like, oh, like, Charlie Brooker knows exactly who we are here mm-hmm. and what we're going to pick. Um, I feel like the deepest path that I got through, like, had a really dark ending. And I think that's – is that as far as you can go? What ending did you guys get? I Well, I got – I thought that I was getting different endings because it would kind of start over and then you would try – you would try again. But I only got the credits once and then I didn't start over again. And the credits I got were when he dies in the therapist's office – because he ended up taking the train with his mom in the past. So I had a completely different really? movie to yours. Whoa. What happened Nothing that was in your sentence happened. What? He didn't go to therapy at all? What's the most he violent thing therapy. that happened in yeah. your I got a few real. I got a few acts of extreme violence, but yeah, what was your ending? Uh, the most violent thing that happened might have been the game creator committing suicide in front of me. Did that happen in yours? How? Yeah. He jumped off of a building okay. in front of me, and yeah, then yeah. I murdered my dad in a kitchen. I did that. Yeah. I also did that. Yeah. I didn't get on a train ever. Wait, did you guys identify as Netflix or Symbol when it asked you? Well, I had both. The first thing I did was Netflix. Oh, Netflix. That was my favorite part. Yeah. That was the best part. (laughs) I was was dying. But after you identified as Netflix, you didn't go to the therapist's office? I identified as Symbol. My oh, my alignment okay. while I was making my choice, I like decided my personality when I went into it. And I was like, I'm chaotic good. Like, I want good <laughs> things. I want this character to survive long enough to take me through to the end of the narrative. Mm-hmm. I don't want to constantly be killing him. Right. But I don't want him to have an easy time. And so, <laughs> like, I was just trying to keep it, like, spicy enough that he was inconvenienced, but straightforward enough that I didn't have to keep starting over. I think I life. got both of your things because I, I did that ending and then I went back and did the symbol. Okay. Um, or I can't remember which way is which. But then, like, I think I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good for the evening. I do want to do this more. And then I, I came across, like, uh, an image on Reddit or something that had, like, all the paths. And I was like, oh, my God, I'll never finish this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the did you you killed your your father, right? I killed my father. How did you dispose of the body? I buried him in you the yard, him. and the dog found him. No. Oh, your a dog didn't find your body. Someone like oh. everything about mine was like slightly different. It sounds like oh. I buried my dad. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what? So you buried your dad, and the dog found it. Yeah, but then it let me go back, and then I, after after I buried the dad, and the dog found it, then it. Then it let me go back to a few choices prior. And oh, then so I that was like else. the end of your road when a dog yeah. found the body. That's yes. really fascinating. And then it took me back and then I uh, chose a different because you can either choose like to look at the book or look at a family photo at one point. And then yes. I did the opposite thing. And then mm-hmm. I ended up going back in time to the 
point where I had the rabbit with my mom. <gasps> and then I ended up getting on the train with my mom, the train that crashed. But that was happening in that was happening in the past, but it affected the current timeline. So when he was explaining all of this to his therapist, the t- the previous timeline was happening, and then he dies in the past, which means he dies in the therapist's office just ah. suddenly. And the therapist is like, what just happened? And everyone <laughs> starts like crying and screaming, and then the credits started rolling. And I was like, oh, I finally got a real ending. Um, it was very dark. It was. I, I think the ending I got that I liked the most was like, uh, it ends with... Um, uh, them reviewing the game and it's like five out of five. You oh, know, you it's got like, a five out of five. Yeah, I got a five out of five. Like, this is the great ending. Um, and then uh, <laughs> what happens is like, you know, the game's a big success. And then it's like months later, you're revealed that like the dad is killed. Um, so they're like five out of five is like, but no one should play this game. So they're pulling it off shelves. And then it's 20 years later or it's a current timeline and someone is remaking Bandersnatch. Oh my God. That's uh, good. That seems I like really the good ending. It. Yeah. I got an ending. I did get one ending, like an end of the road that took me back where he kills his dad, but then they release the game anyway. Did you get this one? That might be the ending that I end up okay. with because I buried my dad in the yard and no dog found it. So I just kept existing through time. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to remember what happened after that that led to like my game got released and I th- my boy my main character was like really <laughs> paranoid <laughs> that people were going to find out that like he had murdered his dad and that this other game creator was dead and I can't remember how it all tied mm-hmm. together it's killing me the weird thing is like uh you know I know it's not a game per se but like part of me as someone that like plays a decent amount of video game is like kept trying to find like the good ending, like every game with yeah. multiple endings has like a best case ending, yes. you know, and like in video games when I don't get it, I look it up on YouTube, yeah. you know, but I don't think Bandersnatch has one as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, if it's, if it's Black Mirror, I think it's going to be a pretty bleak, terrible Which is kind of funny because I, I actually think my favorite Black Mirror episodes kind of have like positive endings, you know, mm-hmm. like I like San Junipero, I like Be Right Back is a little ambiguous Hang the DJ kind of has a sweet mm-hmm. ending, you know. I kind of, I kind of do want to watch it again. Just to see, because I know I'm not going to get a good ending, but I do want to see the other paths because I had no idea that Well, hearing, it was that complicated. So I chose the family photo first mm-hmm. in the situation that comes before burying your dad or not. <laughs> it just, it sounds like truly every question you answer actually impacts the result. Like even though it's always a binary choice, mm-hmm. you're still kind of dealing with a lot more exponents yeah. than mm-hmm. I was aware of when I was playing it. I read that he... He wrote it on like a video game writing piece of software. I don't remember what it was called, but basically that it's like visual software that lets you it's make like paths. a flow chart, right? Yeah, it's something. a flow chart software, yeah. but it like it's meant for those. I think those those like Telltale games. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I think it's what they're written in. So uh, next up, we're going to talk to Charlie Brooker, the writer of Bandersnatch, um, about Bandersnatch, and he's going to answer some of your questions from Twitter. Hello. I'm Charlie Brooker, <laughs> writer of the Bandersnatch and most of Black Mirror, and I don't normally wear glasses. Hello, I'm Annabelle Jones, co-showrunner with this guy of Black Mirror, and I don't wear glasses. Mm. Now we know each other. So Emily Vaughan writes, to no one in particular, to the ether, Bandersnatch, colon, Frosties or Sugar Puffs, me, that's me vocalising that. Uh-huh. Bandersnatch, chop up the body or bury it. Me, chop it. Several people have commented on this, that they found the very first choice, which yeah. cereal, really hard. 
Whereas they, oh, they I see. when it came to bury a chop, ah, chop him up. But by that point, they're so acclimatized or yeah. they're so sadistic, they don't they don't worry about that at all. Interesting. What does that say about them? That says that was the first question, and the other one was one a lot longer on in the film. Or it says that they're psychotic, and it is difficult. Frosties or sugar puffs? I could wrestle with that one for decades. Were they in America? Were they? In- I don't could know. Could you get sugar puffs in America? You couldn't get frosties, technically. You could get frosted flakes in America. God, no wonder people are confused. And frosted flakes, that's a mouthful. That's not, that sounds like a joke. It's not. It's terrible. Um, okay. Joseph Scrimshaw. That's a made up name, isn't it? Um, Bandersnatch sounds like the word Benedict Cumberbatch yells to transform into a superhero. That is a nice. good observation. But Scrimshaw sounds like a verb, doesn't it? Scrimshaw. Scrimshaw sounds like something you do on the beach when you're, like, foraging around for bits of old tar and stick. Yeah. So there, Scrimshaw. You've lost some coins. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you doing Scrimshawing around? But then, to be fair, Candidate Bandersnatch, it does sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, look, the swearing in this. This is edgy. Fuck this guy the most, to be honest. Hashtag Bandersnatch. There's Robin from Microplay. Yeah, I saw What's... somebody sort of saying he's like the angel of death. Because it means your story's ended. Yeah, and he, oh, okay. he pops up and he... Fuck this guy the most of him. Yeah. Aww. I know, I've got a soft spot for Robin. He wears a bow tie while he's reviewing computer games. And I saw somebody doing that in an archive show. From 1984, there's an episode where the bloke's reviewing adventure games. <laughs> he's wearing a bow tie. And lovely Robin, that was the first gig he'd ever done. And he was very good. He was very good. He was very, very, nice. very good. Uh, when Colin told Dude, he's called Stefan. Yeah. We've met before. It's because Colin is a Pax, the demon in human form, and Stefan was better than him, but wasn't controlled. Hence, why we decide what Stefan does. I don't understand that. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to. So there's lots of theories over who Colin, Colin is, is that Colin Pax. represents this sort of beyond time and space kind of entity, and is he a demon, and is he God? I like to think that Colin is God. Yeah, he's my God. Yeah, he's very yeah. much my God. I think he's. I yeah. love Colin. Um, <laughs> oh, Dad. Yeah, I'm defrosting mints. Yes, I'm glad people picked up on that because we started saying that a lot in the edit. It's, it's one of my favourite moments. I don't yeah. know why. It, it made me laugh yeah, when I wrote it, and it made me laugh much more when Craig Craig did, did it. it. Uh, he did. He has just the right amount of joy and 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 yes. amazement on yes. his face with this newfangled microwave. Yeah, why does Bandersnatch have the same logo as White Bear? Because that's that's called an Easter egg. Well, and, and not just an Easter egg. No, it's the thematically. It's, it's yeah. a thing. It did come about because we were when we were at one point we were drawing a flowchart and I did literally draw on a whiteboard that and went oh it's the white bear logo oh we've got to incorporate that in some way a Stefan moment yeah let's incorporate that in some way just to confuse this one person on Twitter years later Krim yeah so that's why Before we move on from Better Satch, I just want to ask you some questions and see what paths you would take with these like two binaries few binaries ah. um Sugar puffs or frosties? I think I did frosties. I think I did sugar pop. Interesting. Pop. I did frosties. Oh, so different. I did frosties immediately. That's what I love really? about us. Yeah, I don't know what I. Kick dad in the nuts or karate chop dad? I kicked him in the nuts. I think I kicked him in the nuts too. In the nuts. Um, Gotta kick him in the nuts. You if they're jump, talking about his nuts. You jump or Colin him. jumps? Colin jumps. Uh, I did Colin jumps first. 
And now let's go up the rails. Java or T? Java. 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 Okay. Carol or Abby, the Sarah Paulson character in Carol? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Carol, because she's titular. Carol. Carol. Um, uh, your choice comes up on the screen. Do you watch Green Book or do you watch Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what? Wow, Bobby. Yeah, I'm really the devil's ending. question. I'm really, I'm really ending with the worst possible. <laughs> We're learning line. a lot about me today because I'm going to pick Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> and I know I won't like it too. Which I one? would probably pick Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Kevin and Christine, for joining me on this inaugural episode. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Of course. And before we move on, I want to ask, what's next on your list? I think my like 2019 resolution with Netflix is to find more international reality shows because uh, there are some great ones on service, I will say. Uh, Ainori Love Wagon is a Japanese dating show about being on a bus. Um, <laughs> it's cool. And having like blasted through a season of that and then this other show that I think is called Are You the One? both Japanese dating shows, I was like, oh, I really need to see what other cultures are doing. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kevin? Um, I just, I want to watch more of the documentary content on Netflix. Um, like one day I'm going to actually watch Icarus. Like I know I'm, I know it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I know I'm going to love it. And instead, like what I'll probably do is just rewatch all of you. Oh yeah, which you. I watched like a month ago, but I'm probably just gonna watch it again. You, I'm not done with it yet, but I love you. Oh, it's so good. It's good. I need to finish you, and I need to watch the show that you told me about. Where what's it called? The Vacation House, where you. Oh, Instant Hotel. Instant Hotel. I added that to my. It's always the top, like hounding me, but it's the show where you. It's like people who have Airbnbs, basically, right? It's like a season long reality show with airbnb hosts staying in each other's properties and rating each other but they also get to rate each other as guests so like you can't like if you stay in someone's house and you're like kevin it, the linens were disgusting or whatever then you get to stay in my property next week and you can roast me back so like it's both a people pleasing game and people judging each other's decor i love a thing where just like the the balance of power just shifts you know <laughs> and no one knows about it yeah. and they're like wait i've just been so mean <laughs> okay so thank you christine and kevin uh we will see you on the next episode of i'm obsessed with this please enjoy bandersnatch but beware and don't try to get a good ending because you won't and have fun tidying up your life goodbye <laughs> <laughs>